You're tuning in to Missouri NEA Connects, a podcast to focus on all things Missouri education, from policy to practice, so that each of us can unite, inspire, and lead from where we are. We're happy you're here. Well, let's just jump right into the update since early January. Probably early January. Okay, let's, let's, what's happened since we've chatted with you? 19 weeks. I don't count spring break because they're not. Mm-hmm. So we're not quite halfway that yet. Um, what's interesting is the Senate has yet to perfect a bill. That's like when you take it up Man. and you work through it and you say, okay, this is how it's going to be. And then we'll vote on it. They haven't done that yet. In previous years, have they done that by this time? Obviously. Typically, you would have seen a set, you know, a handful at least of bills be perfected. Because, you know, they, the normal process is you spend the early part of the week, you know, like they might come in Monday and spend some floor time, like four to six. And then Tuesday, it very, you know, they start just mornings and they start to add afternoons as they get going. And Wednesday. So all three of those days, you kind of like put stuff up, potentially perfect it. And then you have like a list and then on Thursday, we call it third read Thursday. So the bills that they have perfected, which is basically we've chewed on it and we're done chewing on it. This is how it, we want it to look. That means it's perfected. And then it goes, they print it. And then on Thursday is typically the day when they, however many that is, one, two, three, four, five bills they've perfected. They do what's called third reading. And that's the up or down vote. So perfection is just usually it's just a voice vote, you know, and the, <laughs> the eye has it when, you know, whoever is the sponsor of the bill says yes, and nobody really fusses about it and, it, and it's perfected. Um, but on Thursday is, or whenever they get to third reading, but, but it's often they do that on Thursday morning and then they're, they book out and go back to their districts. And so that's just up or down and you have to have 18 votes out of 34 for it to pass. It's under the it, per the constitution, and and they you know they do a roll call and everybody's vote is recorded by roll call, so they haven't done they haven't even perfected a bill yet, which is I think probably super unusual. But you know we've we and since we haven't really talked since kind of like the early part of the session, you know a lot of <laughs> I was going to say a lot's happened a lot of chaos you might say has sort of happened uh, on the Senate side because we used to have a group called the Conservative Caucus. Now they've rebranded as the Freedom Caucus, which I think it like has national, there's like national figures and groups involved with the so-called Freedom Caucus. But a number of the same senators were obstructing just kind of like every little thing that was needing to be done. And they decided to block the approval of gubernatorial appointments. As a reminder, we have a lot, you know, the State Board of Education um, is is an appointed, uh, yeah, it's an appointed office. Uh, those are appointed by the governor mm-hmm. and then approved with the advice and consent of the Senate. Okay. Any border commission that has like real authority, like they could do rules, you know, stuff like that. If they can take actions that are meaningful as an act of law, then they have to go through that process. So the governor will have, you know, 
all these different boards and commissions and people's terms expire. Sometimes they say, I'm done. Sometimes they say, I would be willing, you know, you could reappoint me if you want. And so during the interim, the governor will do some appointments. All of those appointments that are done in the interim, they function as interim appointees. So they can go ahead and get about being on the board or commission, but they don't count for realsies unless once they start session, so they start on January 3rd, 30 calendar days from that point, the Senate has to have held a hearing on their appointment. They have to have had the Committee on Gubernatorial Appointments vote them out, do pass, and then they have to be taken up um, with a motion on the Senate floor and approved. It's a relatively streamlined process. That's all it takes. There's not a, you know, because, and a lot of times, you know, those, that committee meets on Wednesdays. A lot of times they're approving, you know, the Wednesdays, they hear them, they vote, bring them out as a slate, one motion, Thursday morning, done. That's like the norm. But if those ones who are appointed during the interim, before they start, if they don't get approved, by 30 days in, which I think was my birthday, February 2nd. Um, so they would have like not been appointed mm-hmm. and they would have been forever basically banned under the constitution from serving that role. They can't, re- like they can't be the governor, a governor can't reappoint them. Like any governor. Right. So they've just wasted all those appointments. Basically. Uh, oh my God. So that that so they decided, oh, let's get clever. Let's block that. So you know, first Who's couple the, weeks. Can I just it, freedom sorry, caucus? The freedom caucus. Okay, so I was confirming that they. Okay. They said we, we would like to essentially hijack control of what we work on, and so we'll we'll say we're not going to we're going to block by you know filibuster and delaying tactics. We are going to block any attempt by leadership to approve these appointments. Unless you do what we ask, and that is you park all that stuff and we immediately proceed to work on the joint resolutions relating to initiative petition. That's where they're trying to make it harder for a citizen initiative petition that amends the Constitution to be approved. Right now, those can be brought forward. You know, it's a lot of work. It takes, you know, hundreds of thousands of signatures from congressional districts all over the state and then it has to go to the ballot and then the voters statewide vote on it and if a majority vote in favor then it could be passed and they can you can do that for a change to law or an amendment to the constitution well of course they're sort of frustrated because the people have chosen to bring issues forward that they have basically punted um, whether it's like medicaid expansion or the recreational use of marijuana, very, you know, there's a bunch of issues where citizen petitions have brought forward and passed changes that the legislature was not particularly interested in moving on. So they're frustrated. And of course, if they're done in the constitution, that's the thing that people own, not the legislature. So they can't amend that without the say-so of the people. They can, There's a process that they can do what's called a joint resolution, and they can send a proposal out there. Still, to get that approved, you have to have a vote of the public. Well, so the joint resolution they've proposed is an effort to kind of raise that 
difficulty level. Right now, it's a simple majority, which is how the, you know, like their joint resolutions are the more common way that the Constitution has been amended over the last hundred years. There's only been a, the, the, the amendments to the Constitution, I've written a bunch of those. Back when I worked for the Senate, I wrote a bunch of joint resolutions. Usually they're really boring, like stormwater bonding and what, you know, changes to details about taxes of vehicles, stuff like that. One of them I did was for Kansas City schools to be able to do the 496 tax rate to okay. help resolve the DSEG thing back in 98. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's that's common. You know, something's going on, you do a joint resolution, put it out there. So it's easy for them, but those have also been a simple majority. So now they're wanting to change that, whether it's like a percentage, like 55 or 60% higher than majority. Um, but the wrinkle they've kind of been pursuing this year is what's called a concurrent majority. So you have to have both a simple majority statewide and then you look at districts, whether it's House districts, state Senate districts, or congressional representative districts. And you say you have to have a majority in well, at least half plus one of those. So like five out of eight congressional districts, 82 House districts, 18 Senate districts. And they're joint resolutions. There's like a couple dozen filed in between the chambers doing some variation of that. Uh, so anyway, that's, that was the measure that they said, we, we are so, that's such a big deal to us that we are willing to blow up the proper function of the Senate in its role to approve appointments um, in order to have that done on the timetable we demand. Hmm. And so the, there was kind of back and forth for a couple of weeks where this, you know, they were successful in the first half, which was, we're going to obstruct. So they obstructed mm -hmm. because they could, um, because they had enough people there willing to just get up and, and talk ad nauseum to where it was clear, you're not going to get a vote easily on these motions. And right. so not, they were, they weren't able to dictate the time frame or the process or too much about how it went, but they were able to essentially see pretty prompt action on sending those joint resolutions to committee. When they were bringing this up initially, they hadn't been referred to committee, but a lot of stuff hadn't been referred to committee. And so uh, got to the point where the pro tem, Caleb Rowden, just decided, I'm just going to second read every bill and send it to committee. So then it was like 450 bills all at once Whoa. on a Thursday um, <laughs> that he sent. All the bills that were on, you know, had been filed and, and read once. They're on second reading. He sent them all to committee, including all the joint resolutions. He sent them to local government, which is Elaine Gannon's committee. She chairs that. Mm -hmm. It was heard. There was like 11 of them. They were heard the next week and then voted out and turned in. Uh, so that that's actually now kind of the thing they're chewing on. So, you know, they got, they haven't really been able to fully dictate the process the way they went after, but they have gotten the legislature and the Senate to focus first on that piece, which was maybe not necessarily going to be job one, but it was certainly something that was kind of in the, in the list. Yeah. On the other hand, it's also kind of since we've talked, mm -hmm. there has been a lot of activity out on the ground that relates to an initiative petition that has created 
a much higher level of urgency about this. Okay. Okay. So um, Planned Parenthood and ACLU and other groups mm-hmm. have been working and like money has been essentially committed to try to do the process of collecting signatures to meet yeah. the threshold to have a, um, a basically a reproductive rights related thing on the ballot. Okay. Right. So you've got groups like Right to Life and the those trying to restrict reproductive rights. They're kind of up in arms because they're very concerned. You know, probably you know something that they might get on the on the ballot could easily get a simple majority vote and amend the Constitution in a in a significant way and really change where the state is. And the legislature, the way you know, with the, the folks we have right now, would not be wanting to go there. So this has created a real sense of urgency yeah, on the part of some of the folks who ha- are on one side of that issue versus the other. Um, and so that's, that's really kind of affected what you might think of as the priority. It kind of bumped that issue up from being, you know, third on a lot of people's list to maybe being first or second. Mm. So anyway, the, as I said, the Senate has yet to perfect a bill, but yeah. they did talk so that last week, which was shortened by the the fact that the Ch- Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl and they had a big celebration on Wednesday, so the the legislature quit after two days. The both of those days on the Senate side, they basically spent long hours discussing and certain people filibustering this joint resolution that okay. would go could potentially go to the people. Um, if approved by the people, it would be kind of a weird situation. Hey, you know, do you guys want to vote by simple majority to make sure that no f- future vote that you guys get to have on stuff you might bring forward would be subject to just a simple majority vote? It's kind of perverse in that way in that yeah. you're forever changing. You know, a, there's a process that applies. Now we're forever changing, potentially forever changing that process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, now that... You wouldn't think that would be something that the voters would vote for. And in like nine out of 10 states that had a similar issue in the last year, the voters didn't vote for that. And so they've, they've figured out a new technology to try to do that, which is to basically obscure what they're really trying to do, which is to change that with a lot of what a lot of us call ballot candy, mm-hmm. which is basically things that some of some of which are like only you know U.S. citizens can vote on our initiative petitions. Well, that's already it's already a thing. In, it's you know it might not be in that article of the Constitution, but it's in the Constitution. Yeah, so it's already a part of the policy. But if you can, you know, the the, the trick is that usually people don't really read the detailed. Here's what's going to go in the Constitution. They read what's known as the ballot summary. Mm-hmm. which is like just a couple quick lines that say, here's the, do you want to amend the Constitution to do these three things? Well, if the first thing that's listed is, you know, make sure that only Ameri- you know, U.S. citizens can vote on initial petitions, we're like, well, I guess, sure, that sounds good. Sure. And then we can't, you know, you can't have foreign governments in the Chinese Communist Party interfering in initiative petitions. Well, we don't want that. No so, one wants that. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, you put in those sorts of things that sound like, oh, that sounds like a, a thing I support, even though it may not actually be a change in policy, um, right? That makes it more likely. So that's that's kind of where that thing is going. And what we hear this week, week eight, the Senate is going to spend 
kind of, you know, the, I guess the attitude is whatever amount of time it takes to try to move that thing through. That's Senate Joint Resolution 74. And it has that whole mess of stuff. It has the changes to concurrent majority, and it also has a whole bunch of other kind of peripheral stuff that tries to make the ballot title look good. So what else? So has this taken a majority of your, of maybe not your focus, but the entire capital capital's focus is this what we've been talking about or is there other things that are moving some just I, momentum I, I don't, anywhere i don't say it's the majority because okay. you know it's been it's been like the thing that's been out there in view on the senate floor okay, okay? but bear in mind you know the the committees have been meeting mostly on yeah. both sides i mean for example i mean you know, the House has been partly predictable. They have already, so if you look at elementary and secondary education, chaired yeah. by Brad, Representative Brad Pollitt, we knew, he, this is the fourth year in a row he's filed a bill on open enrollment. Right. And he had told me, you know, before session, look, Adam, we're going to do, you know, my plan is to, I want to do my open enrollment bill. So he heard that, I think, first thing. And um, it was then heard and voted on by the committee. It's already been third read by the House and sent to the Senate a couple weeks ago. So he said, we're going to do that. There's, they're now just moved out of committee and potentially on the floor at some point fairly soon, a bill that relates to a variety of topics on teacher pay. Mm -hmm. so, and, and, and it's a little broader than that in that it has like, like, like there's a scholarship they're trying to like revamp and use more and put more money into for uh, teacher recruitment, training and recruitment. There's some other little tidbits and raising the minimum salary for brand new teachers for 10 years plus a master's. There's a whole bunch of little pieces to it. Plus generally it's, you know, about minimum pay for teachers. Yeah. Because right now Missouri's minimum salary under law is 25,000, which I think yeah, is yeah. the lowest in the country. Uh, yes, it is. So it would take it to 38,000, um, which I've suggested brings it into the 21st century. At least. <laughs> At least. At yeah. least. Yeah. For now. For yeah, now. For now. For now. Well, and, and I'll, I'll give the, the sponsor, Ed Lewis, a little bit of credit. He's changing it from 25,000 to 38,000 and putting in a caught an inflationary multiplier. Oh, nice. So it could potentially, you know, it's not strictly like CPI, but it, it could, con you know, if CPI growth were 3% or higher, mm -hmm. this, th the value would also grow yeah, 3%. So it's somewhere between one and 3% typically it would be growing each year. Okay. Which is a lot more than, you know, flatlined for 20 years. Uh, and then the third thing potentially, so you have the open enrollment, you know, there's a kind of a house things on the to-do list. Uh, the stuff about teacher pay, and then stuff about assessment and accreditation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Paula Brown has House Bill 1851, and that's a bill that we've worked with her on. Senate Bill 814, sponsored by Jill Carter on the Senate side, is largely similar. Yes. And so that bill was, that one has had a weird trajectory because that bill got filed it got heard in the Education and Workforce Development Committee. Okay. 
Then the committee, that committee met on a Tuesday and voted the bill out, you know, they do pass, voted it do pass. That was the same day that, as, as I mentioned, you know, there were certain people in the, quote, Freedom Caucus who were obstructing in, on the Senate side. There was a consequence um, of significance that took place there the day that that bill got voted out. The pro tem pulled the four senators who had kind of been most obstructing things from all of their committee chair roles. So Andrew Koenig had been the chair of that education committee. Rick Bratton had been the vice chair. So those two, along with Denny Hoskins and Bill Eigel, got pulled from their committee chair positions that day. And then at the same time, the pro tem created a new committee. It's now, it's called the Select Committee on Empowering Parents and Children, which is too long of a title for a committee. Um, but that committee is now functioning as the, going forward, it's functioning as the education committee. So some bills, like a, it was kind of like a reset button. Um, so like, like that education committee had already voted out a tax credit voucher expansion bill, Senate Bill 727, but it was sponsored by Andrew Koenig. So he got kicked off the committee, and there was also so much pushback uh, amongst other parts of the Senate to not have those folks have their bills be the ones that advance. So it was the second bill turned in, but right now it doesn't look that that's necessarily going to be the vehicle, and Senator Koenig would not necessarily be the person handling that and being kind of like in the center of negotiations on education education reform, funding, blah, blah, blah. The, the way that it was going on last session when the House uh, bills had come over. Instead, we have a new committee. It's chaired by Curtis Trent, vice chaired by Mary Elizabeth Coleman. And so it would appear that the bills filed by Senator Trent are the ones most likely to be the vehicles they have yet to vote. Like, for example, a tax credit voucher expansion bill out of committee, but they could do that tomorrow when they meet. Um, so it was kind of pushing the reset button on the Senate bill filing. And a number of bills were like refiled in essentially identical form and re and, and those bills referred to the other committee. Um, the one that's kind of been in limbo is that Senate bill 814, because it was voted out by that committee. The committee still exists. It just hasn't met. But the process of turning the bill in is not something that the committee, the committee's already done with the bill. It's just a matter of the little report being done by the committee chair. But Caleb Browden appointed Curtis Trent to also chair that committee, which hasn't met. He would presumably be the one, now that he's nominally the chair of that committee, if Caleb Browden were going to want to have that bill turned in, Senator Trent would be the one who would need to turn it in. They, that's also a thing that typically happens on Thursdays. You third read bills, and then you take committee reports. So that's where you know you get bills turned in, and then that those bills get on the calendar for potential debate the next week, or whenever you can. If the calendar is all piled up, it could be a long time. But if there's not much on the calendar, the bills that get turned in on Thursday might be available for discussion on the following week. Do you anticipate a pileup because there has been such little movement in the Senate now that if they have some 
momentum going forth, do you think it would kind of just be like a backlog? Yeah, I mean, they're going to be playing serious catch-up. Yeah. That's still, you've gone through eight session weeks. There's only a couple session weeks before spring break. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a much less likely for a bill to be moving through the process and, and to be a vehicle that gets all the way through if it hasn't gotten through the first chamber by spring break. Yeah, yeah. So there's only a couple weeks that the Senate would be working on other things. And one of the things that needs to happen for sure, along with the budget, is what's known as the Federal Reimbursement Allowance. They call it FRA. It's the healthcare provider tax. Yep. It's, it's a thing that we do that brings in some state money, which the federal government allows us to count as essentially state matching funds for a whole lot of federal Medicaid funding. So it's like a huge chunk, uh, s- several billions of our budget, when you add all the spending together, must have that. And that thing has to be reauthorized this count, this fiscal year, whether it's in a regular session or if they, they, there have been occasions where if this failed in regular session, the governor will immediately call a special session to do it. This governor has in fact done that. So, you know, that's going to be, and that was the first bill turned in. Um, And when they actually went to something else, I think it was the week before, the sponsor of that, Lincoln Huff, took a long time inquiring of everybody else who had a bill on the calendar behind his to see what was up. Um, So anyway, I think there's going to be a need to spend some time on that, whether they go immediately back to it or not, because that would take a lot of time. Um, because that tends to attract efforts to put on provisions relating to like restricting funding for abortion, et cetera, which start. And then there's questions about, is that permissible under federal requirements? Like, are you passing a reauthorization that doesn't mean anything because it's not, you know, it, it would run afoul of a federal approvability of the program. So that can take a lot of time. They, you know, so potentially if they went back to that, they would be using up a lot of the session time between now and spring break. The alternative, I guess, would be to give up, which I don't think Senator Huff is going to want to do, but you could give up and just assume that the House is going to send you a bill like that. But that's, that's, you know, we're getting far enough into the session. It's probably better for, you know, these things. It's on the calendar it might be good to spend some time working on it since it's one of the two things you actually have to do. <laughs> all, the, all the other stuff's kind of, all the other stuff's kind of, you know, once you do your appointments, pass a budget. And in this case, to pass the budget that anybody would want to do, you have to have the FRA. Nobody wants to draft the budget that doesn't have that in it. Because that would be billions of dollars of healthcare lost to Missourians. Yeah. Yeah. And, They've already messed up the appointment thing. It was so the interim appointments are we're done ultimately. We're done. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I. I there's a lot. There's a lot we little, started and then it just goes. I know. Okay. Sorry. It's Lots okay. of little. Yeah. We just kind of went through that and and it wasn't. We didn't go in a straight line. So yeah. Eventually, because there was movement, not dictated exactly by the Freedom Caucus, but because there was movement on getting the initiative petition changes through committee and on the calendar, they ultimately did relent and allow the appointments to be approved just slightly ahead of the 
deadline. Okay, so the appointments have been approved before February. Yeah, the interim appointments got done. Yeah, they did get done. Um, like I said, they you know it's kind of a you know the the uh, Freedom Caucus got got much of what they wanted in that they slowed things down. I don't know if they well I don't know if they really wanted to slow things down, but they did move. Um, probably the timeline on the IP stuff getting to the floor forward. Um, on the other hand, they were, the, some of them paid in terms of their ability to be involved centrally for the rest of the session. Yeah, if they're getting uh, kicked off committees. Committees and, 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 the, yeah, their yeah. Bill, and their bills are no longer essentially considered you yeah. know, the, vi the vehicle. That's a significant downside to uh, this for whole them. situation. Yeah. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a big part of what it did was to re, you know, push the reset button and put the Senate a, about a month behind, roughly speaking. And, and still, you know, they, they have two, at least a couple of big things facing them right now, neither of which they've done and both of which could take a lot of time, the IP thing and the FRA. And then, of course, they say job, uh, well, I don't, different people would, would probably vary on which one they want to do after IP. But the other thing is the tax credit voucher, charter school expansion, that whole bunch of education-related stuff has been some, the other thing that gets talked about a lot. And so, you know, they probably aren't going to do Senate Bill 727. So probably it's going to be something that comes through the select committee. There's like Senate Bills 1391 and 1392 were two bills um, heard last week on that topic. So what, um, what's your hashtag for the last month? Oh, for the last month? Yeah, since I've talked uh, to you last. Things have been slow in the Senate, that's for sure. Slow in the Senate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that could be, you know, and that, that was the prediction all along. Yeah. You know, the pundits... Uh, we're always uh, not much is going to happen this session, and though thus far, not a lot in the education or actually in any space has really happened. Um, but it's clear that you know amongst the topics being discussed, you know, there's IP, there's the financial stuff and the FRA, but education is you know front and center of whatever bandwidth they have left over after they deal with those couple things. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, as I've also said, it's basically been a reset, hmm. you know, like they basically pushed the reset button and that's really kind of why it's been so slow is because they just kind of completely rejiggered everything. You know, we have a different committee on education and the stuff that went through the first committee is mostly dead. Hashtag reset. Yeah. Well, may the force be with you. And live long and prosper. <laughs>